0: In talking with Rob Wallace, you get the feeling that he's never heard of the so called rule book,
1: and if he did, he would just ignore it. Let's quickly go over some of the things Moth is doing differently. You name your brand after an insect. You don't underprice your competitors, but take the opposite tack and have the most expensive RTD can drink on the shelf, and at times in the smallest can. You don't try to swamp the market with various cocktails, but instead take a very slow approach. Your cans don't look like something holding cocktails, but more like a craft beer. And you genuinely believe that flavor, quality, and product safety will bring you to the winner's circle. The insane thing is, the moth philosophy
0: is working. Clients include Selfridges, Harrods, the Ritz and Hoxton hotels, Waitrose, Sainsbury, and now Tesco's. Going from 250 stores nationwide to over
1: 1,600. Everyone claims to be the best of the best, and RTD cocktail manufacturers all claim that they make the best cocktail in a can. With Moth, however, they're probably correct. I'm Velamitra Richard Distiller's Journal. And I'm Ross McPherson. In today's episode, rob wallace will explain the moth way of doing things this is truly a must listen rob let's address a huge elephant in the
0: room first and get it out of the way where did the name moth come from
2: it's an interesting one we had a different name before and it was really hard to spell and it was a bit french and a bit off a left of center and we we started a rebrand. We were moving from bottle to can, and we were working with this amazing agency called Pentagram. And we all sat together in a room. There's a big list of names, uh, and we went through the list of names. There's some beautiful things on there, and then moth in the bottom right-hand corner is the last one on the list. And everyone went, Ugh, "You can't name you can't name a cocktail brand after an insect." We came back two weeks later, and there was only one that we remembered. And then you start to paint the world of sort of. Moth to a flame and sociability, and that's us to a cocktail. And then it's Papillon de Nuit in French, which is the butterfly of the night, which is a lovely image. And then I said to them, you know, what if it stood for something? What if it was an acronym? And they went away and, much cleverer than me, came up with Mix of Total Happiness, which for me is the cocktail and the environment you're in. And so once that once that sort of tied it all up with a neat bow, that was that, and was Moth from then till now. And now I can imagine it being anything else.
1: How did a couple of lads from the University of York decide that RTD, ready to drink, cocktails, were the way to go?
2: It's a very good question. I'll let you know when we decide. Um, so for us, we, we actually were friends from school next door to each other. So we, I've known my co-founder for about 14 years, um, which is a very long time. Um, and I, we both went to university together. My mum worked for an alcohol company while I was at university. So instead of um, jumpers in the post, it was gin to keep us warm up in the north. Um, which was obviously very formative in our development as young adults, but also I think it came, it stems basically from a love of food and drink. Sam and I are inc- incredibly foodie and very competitive in the kitchen. We used to cook for each other and friends at university, and, and uh, really sort of uh, my my student overdraft didn't go on clubbing and cigarettes. It went on brisket from Waitrose and, and you know <laughs> silly things. And I actually got my first ever bartending job to pay off my student overdraft and cooking silly things at university. And so I got into bartending. I then went and worked in luxury hospitality. So I went and worked for the world's best ski company looking after millionaires and billionaires and super chalets. And they all had amazing chefs. And so I spent every day working and living with amazing chefs and concierges and people making drinks. And you just can't help but fall in love with that as a world um, of great service, of people with incredibly high standards and delivering that and then feeling that they've been well looked after and treated and the method of that is great food and drink right in a lovely place. So I came back, did more bartending and... Sam was off building a career in film and television, so he was working with clients like Netflix and Disney and BBC. And he, he, As he likes to tell me, he had a proper career that I ruined, which is true, uh, because I sent him a message one day saying, Sam, I want to start a company that makes the perfect bottled old-fashioned. And he sent back a Facebook message, which verbatim said, that's not actually a terrible idea. So this had stemmed from years of going, I'm a bartender, I have all the stuff in my cupboard, but I don't make cocktails unless I'm having people over. It's a massive faff. But if I could choose it as easily as a can of beer or a glass of wine, if that was a real choice, I'd pick cocktails every time. So I made up a litre of Old Fashioned as a test, and I picked it. Every time I'd reach for an Old Fashioned instead of a beer or a wine, or a Friday night. I'd have it. And that was in a big glass bottle. We still had to stir stuff. It wasn't perfect. But that sort of little gem of an idea of saying, if cocktails were just as easy... You'd always use them because cocktails are amazing, right? Um, and not everyone's a bartender that knows how to make it, but everyone who's had a cocktail out wishes they could recreate that at home. And so that's where it started. And we were full time designing in our lunch breaks, and then we went part time, and then we landed Selfridges, and then we from Selfridges, which was just um, insane persistence and a lot of luck, um, from Selfridges to Harrods and the Ritz and to Daleshood and some really high end clients and sort of got this little brand that we'd made all ourselves handmade every bottle it was ridiculously expensive it was a single serve little bottle and it got to the point where we were selling posh cocktails to posh people in posh places that wasn't the dream the dream was always a cocktail as easy as a can of beer or a glass of wine so we we looked at ourselves and it was sam that really made the sort of made the sort of you know the emphasis to make the change. He said look we need to go to can we need to actually make this a straight swap and so we said right if we're going to do this we need we need to, we need to Properly changed. So we're going to raise a round of money. We're going to make the liquid and keep those amazing spirits partners that we use. We need to make sure that it works at a thousand liters, not just at one. And we need to rebrand and we need to put it in a can and we need to make it a genuine fit for your life. So all of this during COVID twenty twenty. This so we raised our first round. Every investor call on Zoom, which was a hard work. I mean, a real slog when you can't see everyone and you get nose every day because you know everyone's very, very cautious with spending money or investing in things. And we're also young, unproven entrepreneurs. Like, why would you do that when you can't buy toilet roll? Um, but we got through it and we rebranded and uh, we re the liquid and we moved to Cannes and we got waitress involved and we said, guys, we're going to make a product that's perfect for your customer. It's perfect. You don't have to list us, but you are the experts on your customer. Can you just give us advice as to whether you guys would buy this, whether Sally from Stevenage or Bob from wherever would pick this up in their local Waitrose? How much did it cost? Here's ten Negronis. Which Negroni would a waitress shopper choose? Here's here's some of the branding we think we're doing. Is this a is this a good idea? And they really became involved. They they were amazing, and they and we really listened. Look, they're the experts, and we demonstrably made changes to what we thought was a good idea because waitress said so. We got to the end of that process, and we said, you know, we work on this together, isn't it amazing? And go on, give us a little twenty five store trial. Go on, wouldn't wouldn't that be great? And they said no, um, but we'll put you in two hundred stores. You've got three months. And so that that moment is what sort of pushed the button on the roller coaster and I'm still holding on 15 months later.
0: It's hard not comparing the US to the UK market and trying to spot trends. In the States, hard seltzers have done well. Not so much here where few see the attraction of drinking a mostly carbonated water beverage with little alcohol and flavor. In the States, RTD cocktails have shown some of the greatest growth in the spirits industry, with some supermarkets seeing up to a 60% increase in sales. Will it be the same here with continued growth or just another hard seltzer flop?
2: I I don't think hard seltzers will do as well here as they've done in the US. There's a lot of money being poured into it to grow it artificially. I I understand the the use case in the States, but not so much here. I think the trend and the growth in RTD in the UK is going to come from premiumization and innovation, uh, not from making it sort of cheaper and, in, you know, in very heavy quotation marks, healthy for you. I think there's a real fallacy about trying to make, some, make something that is fundamentally unhealthy and should be drunk in moderation healthy. I think it's very dangerous. I know I'm, I would, don't, would never suggest that you drink either a hard seltzer or a moth before doing yoga or driving, right? That is not what it's for. Uh, and so the, I, I really struggle with hard sell to market in the UK but that doesn't mean there's not wonderful innovation that's happening here and really strong trends that are going to make the UK an enormous RTD market. I just don't think it's hard sell
1: People involved in RTD cocktails have told distillers that it's far from being as simple as mixing a big batch of cocktails and putting it in a can. When different liquids are mixed their chemistry changes and in part due to the lower ABV the stability and shelf life of the product are reduced. Is this a real challenge in creating an RTD cocktail?
2: I think it's a challenge in creating a bad RTD cocktail. I think the answer is staring us all in the face, which is puts more alcohol in it, right? Alcohol is wonderfully safe, we've all been sanitizing our hands with it for the last twenty-four months. Uh, we, we solve that problem by making it the same strength as a bar. So we don't have to pasteurize. We don't have to put nasties in it. We just put booze in it. However, it is, you're absolutely right. It's not as simple as mixing some stuff and hoping for the best. And I think a lot of people think it is. And 12 months later, you open a can and it's all gone a bit wrong. So we we are, have a few skills. One is finding amazing partners to work with. I don't claim to make great rum or great whiskey, but I'll, I know what it tastes like. And I'm going to find the people who make it and make best friends. So that, that's skill one. Skill two is going we can make it perfectly in a glass. Who are the technical partners that are gonna come in to us to make sure that this is safe in 18 months time when you've made 100,000 of them and it's still perfect like glass one. And we're very lucky that we have some amazing technical partners with us that um, fill me with confidence and allow me to sleep at night because they're experts in making that happen. Uh, But no, I mean, the recipe testing is as simple as making stuff in a glass. Putting it in a can, putting it on a shelf in Waitrose is far from it.
0: Following up that question, a U.S. publication says that it's easy to make an RTD cocktail. The challenge is making one with real ingredients and making an authentic cocktail.
2: I think it's very easy to make a cocktail-flavored thing. An espresso martini-flavored thing, I think, is probably you know, achievable quite easily and maybe even not a very high ABV. However, an actual espresso martini in a can is a real challenge because how it interacts in a shaker for something that has a, a total lifespan of t- 10 minutes in a bar you know, it's got to sit in a can for you know maybe twelve months, go to the other side of the world, and still be that fresh-tasting uh, espresso martini that you that you want. So yeah, it's it is a hell of a challenge to create something that's authentic. And I think a lot of people have the reason. The reason why I think we we're, we're having some progress and the category is having some progress is people have gone from accepting a subpar equivalent going to challenging the industry and saying, no, we want we want it how they do it in a bar. Work it out, guys. And I think the reason Moth has had the success it's had so far is we really do hold our standards of compare what we put in a can to, when, to what you had at your favourite bar last week. That's the standard we set ourselves. The only similarity we have with the 5% slash martini flavoured thing is that we both happen to be in a can. And that's very deliberate because a can's the best thing you could possibly put liquid in. It's infinitely recyclable. It's single-service, the perfect size. It's light. All, all these wonderful things that mean it's perfect. But you are in the, you are in the same format as people who don't want to make something authentic.
1: Do you outsource production or make in-house?
2: So it's all made in the UK, but we outsource it. Um, for us, we we want to, there's it's very easy in alcohol to go gung ho and make it yourself, and because it's quite high ABV, can be safe. But for us, we want we want to work with the biggest customers in the UK. So we want to be absolutely safe and absolutely consistent. So we work with people who have much more experience, and you know we will take them the recipe and how to make it and everything. And but the, the knowledge and expertise of putting what we have on a page into a can it is something we'll pay for the expertise and because it's just worth being safe and being consistent
0: the spirits used in your drinks aren't cheap the mixes used aren't cheap and even your design company wasn't cheap giving you the most expensive RTD cocktails on a supermarket shelf for example at Tesco's a house of cocktails mojito costs 75p for 250 milliliters. your mojito at Tesco's costs 390 for a smaller can from day one were you out to create a high-end, authentic RTD cocktail experience?
2: Yeah, I mean, first things, that 75-85p 75, that 75, mojito is astonishing that they can produce something that to you. I've tried to work out how they do it, and it genuinely blows my mind. I just can't. You know, I've tried it, and it's like, it's you know, it's fine. It's not it's not like a proper mojito, but it's not bad. So I don't know how they do it. Step one, that's amazing. But We're not trying to create a 5%, 4%, 5% mojito thing. We're trying to create a cocktail. And although we go into an RTD section with other cans at that price, compare it to the £12 margarita you might have had in the, in the bar last week, in, in Soho, or whatever it is. So f- for us, it is more expensive, but it is a totally different kettle of fish. It's also 15% or 20% in the case of old fashioned, which compared to a 4%, it's very different. And I think we're, we're incredibly proud of what we put in it uh, and we tell you all about it. I'll shout till the cows come home about the amazing spirit partners we have because we're only as good as we put in our drinks.
1: Does your insistence of using high quality ingredients and then the accompanying price almost doom you to not being a market leader?
2: I think it lets us be a market leader, but in a different market. I think we are creating a category and it is no surprise that now lots and lots of other people are following suit. It's it's not going to be us forever, uh, but I hope it's always us leading it.
0: You first went to Waitrose, which seems like a good fit, but now you're also in 450 Sainsbury's
1: and 900 Tesco shops. With inflation growing and paychecks shrinking, do you think Tesco shoppers in particular will be willing to pay easily double for a moth RTD?
2: So we're finding out. I think the theory is yes, and I'd say there's probably a few things behind that. One is there's always room for a better product, and actually it's still way cheaper than going and buying all the ingredients for a margarita. You might go and buy a margarita and you've spent like, the ingredients and spent 60 quid and throwing three limes away at the end of the week, which isn't great, Right. Uh, the other thing is if look, look, the world it goes into recession and it's not as great, you will trade down from your bar experience and there's only one can on a Tesco shelf that can give you that bar experience and that's us. So maybe you won't have, go out with 20 friends and rack up a £100 bar tab, but maybe you'll have a few friends over and maybe you'll have a few moths to create that experience and still spare some social time over alcohol. So yeah, it's, we are. I think the word I heard once was reassuringly expensive. We are so different to other things in that shelf and it might be immediately first reflected by the price point. But if you take that risk, that little jump, and you taste us, you immediately understand why.
1: Every spirit and drink maker claims that they want to sell to Sainsbury's and Tesco's. That is, until they realise exactly what significant increase of production means.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think we're still learning what scale with those guys means. and We're, we're very lucky that we have an incredible operations team here that... Really, are the core of our business. We're operationally complex, right? It's not hard seltzer. It's not flavour boost bubbles. It's loads of stuff to make a cocktail. Um So yeah, there's a huge jump in scale. But we we said from day one, if we can't say yes to big opportunities, then then we're not ready. We have to be from day one ready to say yes if if Tesco and Sainsbury's come knocking. And it, it's no secret that I thought they weren't coming knocking this year. I thought it was 2023. I didn't think they'd be anywhere near us. But you know, Waitrose is really strong. We have great figures. It's It it is the way the world is going that they want better. So they they both came on board, and I was as surprised as anyone, and more delighted than most. But yeah, it was a hell of a jump, and it's uh, kept us up at night for a few sleepless nights, but we, we were ready from day one because we built it to say yes.
0: Compared to other RTD cocktails, your can line looks more like that from a craft beer. Was it something you came up with or design company Pentagram, which we'll mention is the world's largest independent design consultancy?
2: So we worked with them uh, on on the branding and they they really led that. They're absolutely phenomenal. We went to them though deliberately because they've never done an RTD cocktail. Because if you go to someone that's done an RTD cocktail, you're into a 250ml can, you're shiny, you're 4%, you've done it like everyone else. We went to them and said, break every single rule you can. And so size, different size. Very good justifications because the same size as a bar. Uh, every other can is like smooth and shiny. Ours is rough and matte, textured. Uh, every other can has the ingredients hidden in a tiny box on the back because you don't want to know. We slap them straight on the front. The whole brand is a list of what we put in it, and um, we put big logos of the brands we use, which no one does. And and so for us, that process of breaking the rules to really differentiate what we are, despite being in a recognisable form, which is a can, absolutely vital. But they working with Pentagon that was one of the most exciting and pleasurable things we've done so far, incredible team.
1: This might bring out my design slash marketing nerd side, but in looking at your can's design, Pentagram did an amazing job compared to every other RTD can. It's phenomenal.
2: They're amazing. I mean, I'm also very lucky that my my better half, my co-founder Sam isn't here and he's he's heads up brand. So his vision and attention to detail on, on and working with them was just the perfect partnership because. He he challenged them on, on everything in a, in such a constructive way, and sort of like this is great, but what if we did this, and what if we stretched that way and that? Which meant, I, th- I think, at the end of the day, also we're the fun clients, right? If you're doing, if you're redesigning every single skew and chase for their essential range, that's quite hard work. But talking cocktails and doing something new and innovative with a young, growing brand—that's really exciting. But Sam's collaboration with Pentagram, I think that he would say that they're very much like mentors for him now. And for us as a brand, they really guide a lot of our decisions. We still work with them. We're doing some new drinks at the moment, and I was with them yesterday because they're just the best.
0: Part of the enjoyment of a premium cocktail revolves around the experience as much as the flavor. You can duplicate the flavor. Is there any way to duplicate the experience at home?
2: I think partly is where you're listed. You can be listed in some amazing places. We've got our first airline going live this summer. And if your first moth is at 38,000 feet, that's a pretty cool experience, right? Though what I would say is that look, at the end of the day, theres we're not here to replace a barman. There is something very, very special about having an amazing bartender in front of you, making you a cocktail. So if we can't do that, we've got to double down on flavor. We've got to work so hard that it tastes so good that you don't mind. So we can do the experience with some of our listings and do some amazing things as a brand. But... If you take it home from your tesco and you put it in your fridge and then you drink it it's not the same as the ritz but it should taste as good and if you close your eyes and put a bit, bit of soft jazz on in the background maybe you could be there so we, we've just focused on make it delicious make it as good there because i, I can't send someone in a waistcoat to everyone's house
1: with quite a few gin distillers and craft brewers they have their core range of products which in turn gives them the funds to experiment with one-offs they do this to either get publicity i.e asparagus vodka trying to judge changing consumer tastes or just having some fun with the team at moth have you thought of any one-offs
2: so i think the way that moth would do it would be a collaboration and we're not sure what the first one is or, or who that would be but collaborating with a brand that we really respect every Moth really is a collaboration with the spirit partner we use uh, it's obviously a, a big collaboration but I, I think the key bit about us is a lot of people for well, a lot of big spirits brand rtd is a, is a sort of nice to have and an afterthought but it's all we do, like Sipsmith make amazing gin. And the reason they make a gin tonic is because they want you to buy the bottle of gin. We want you just to enjoy cocktails. That, that's what we do. So one-offs, yes. The, the other thing I would say is that we're we we are really complicated and we want to make sure that every product we put out the Safest houses, tastes amazing, and will taste amazing in 12 or 18 months, right? So it's not something that where we can just, like a bartender and I, have a bit of a play behind the bar and then there's a new cocktail. It takes six to nine months to pull one of our cocktails together. It's, it's a lot of work.
1: If I make a spirit that I think will be a good addition to the Moth lineup, how do I approach you?
2: So for us, I mean, everyone we work with, we're they're, they're now friends. Uh, like we we WhatsApp all the time. We help each other out because the sp- spirits community is incredibly small. Right, it's all of us versus you know mass produced big stuff that can still be great, but it's craft and in- innovative. We're, we're on the same team. So I mean, people just WhatsApp me. People give me a call. People come to the office. I mean, we we are really an open book about about what we do and we name our spirits and so we're very lucky that everyone we work with is lovely and we only work with nice people um but for us look i'll try it try a new gin any day of the week
1: we've talked about your successes what challenges do you see coming this year
2: scale as you mentioned earlier is obviously a huge challenge like if this goes really well then things move very quickly and you've got to be Funded for that, and you've got to be ready to, to make the big calls. So, that I think if we do everything we say we're going to do, we won't be the only ones doing it for very long. I mean, competition is obviously going to be a thing, but I think we've invested in brand and in liquid so heavily that I, I, I do believe that we'll stay out in front and lead the category. Uh, and look, more brands entering the category it means it gets more recognized and more space on shelf, right? So, it's no bad thing. And then I think the other big challenge for us is the team. We're, we're really small right now, we're eight people. Um, and recruiting people who understand what we're doing, who want, to jo- who want to join the journey and who want to grow with us and who are, have the energy and the ambition to, to keep up. Um, that's a huge challenge. Um, and so far we've been incredibly lucky that all of our hires have fisted in so well. and They're all incredibly ambitious people. Um, so, so lucky so far, but that doesn't mean it's going to be the same forever. So putting the team together to To grow from what is now a team of eight to probably what needs to be twenty thirty by the end of the year and keep that culture and that brand and everything that makes moth, moth is a huge challenge.
1: Another week and another seven pubs or so have closed. It's not that people here have quit alcohol, but their perception of it has changed. While the old dinosaurs might still equate getting hammered for as cheap as possible as the best thing happening, the young mammals don't. They are willing to pay a premium price for a premium drink, sacrificing quantity for quality and taste. Moth has really tapped into this. They are the
0: perfect canned cocktail for the moment. But will they get knocked off their pedestal in the coming year or years by some upstart? I don't know. They have had a string of excellent business decisions and it's hard to see that changing. I do know this. If I was a lot younger man, I know who I'd be sending my CV to. The mock team is going places, and it's gonna be one wild ride. The Distiller's Journal Podcast, a production on Ruby Media, produced and hosted by me, Velo Mitrovic. Sound engineering is by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. What's executive producer Rory Harris? I'd like to give a special thanks to Rob Wallace, of moth, our sponsors, and most of all, to you, our listening compadres. Have a good one.